Welcome, welcome, welcome. Season three, Wind Down with Kev. I am Kevin Spann, Kevin Spann, the insurance guru. And I am so excited today. This season, the hashtag has changed the narrative and party people in the place to be. Trust me, we are going to change the narrative on this one. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Wine Down with Kev. By day, I'm an Allstate insurance agent, and by night, I am the host of this wonderful podcast and party people in the place to be. I am very excited with the guests I am going to bring to you today. Uh, today, I have with me my good friend of many, many years, Phenomenal author, publisher, and many other things. But let me start it off by letting her introduce herself. Tracy Wilkins Francis. Tracy, talk to the people. Tell them who you are. Yes. My name is Tracy Wilkins Francis. I am a wine dance resident. I was raised there. I live there and I work there. I graduated with the class of 1986. 86 Woo! in the house. In the house. And um, I have one amazing son and one wonderful husband. And like Kevin said, I am a children's author of eight, eight, eight books and counting. That's and great. I'm also a publisher. Outstanding. Well, Trace, you, you gave me a lot of material to dive in. So as you know, like I'm not a trained host at this, so we're just going to go with the, we're going to go, go with, with the, the flow. flow. <laughs> we're going to go with the flow. Um, you said so, so much. So let's, uh, let's start with your beautiful family. Shout out to my brother, your husband, Mike Francis, my man, my friend, 50 grand in a whole nine yards. Um, Later, we got to get to what an incredible couple you guys are because hard for two. Let's, let's start at the top. Let's start right there. <laughs> you know my wife, Denise. Yes. She and I are yin and yang. I am the extrovert. She's the introvert. She's always with me, but she prefers not to be seen. You and Mike are low-key as people, but creatively, you both are doing the doggone thing. How does that work? Um, we just really just feed off of each other. Um, I think Mike, I, I can have an idea and Mike will run it from zero to 100. I, sometimes I have to slow him down. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Well, I'm, I'm still processing what I just said. You know, so it's just really bouncing ideas off each other, supporting one another. I mean, there's some crazy things that I have wanted to do. There's some crazy things that he wanted to do. But just still having that support and sometimes bringing us down a little bit like, well, I don't know if that's quite going to work. And, and now you, you're creative and you see it, you believe it. Mike is creative. Mike writes in a whole different genre yes, of, yes. of movies and books and films. And film. mm-hmm. So he has his thing that he's thinking about. Um, how is it when you have this idea that you think is phenomenal and how does that slightest, I'm not sure, how does that work? Um, Very gently. <laughs> <laughs> take notes, people. Take take notes. Very gently. Gently. Gently, lovingly. Yes. Um, Like, let's think about this for a yes. moment. So, I mean, we don't get offended or anything like that when it comes to that. You know, well, okay, maybe. 
no, no, not really. Except maybe just like, what? Are you kidding me? (laughs) And then we think and think about it. It's like, okay, I guess you were right. Right. But for the most part, we we make it work. Now, you have a beautiful household. We're definitely going to talk about JoJo, your one and only, your phenomenal son. But when you guys are writing... You're living with these characters in your <laughs> head. So how do you, Mike Joseph, also an author in his own right, and all these characters that you guys have, how do they get along in the house? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you see some of my posts that I've made, you see that our house looks like Sesame Street, really, especially my office. Um, they get along well. <laughs> they, they they blend together. Beautiful. They 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 find this cohesiveness. Yes, <laughs> where they have no other choice but to get along. You got we got to make it. We 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 together, especially especially now. So, um, Trace, you started off acknowledging your immediate family. I'd be remiss without acknowledging your mom, your yes. dad, oh, your absolutely. brother, your support system yes. is incredible. Yes. Uh, wherever you go, whatever you do. They're there. They're there. Absolutely. They're, they're, they are there. So shout out to mom, dad, your your brother, uh, just beautiful, beautiful people. Um, in your opening, you introduced yourself as a fellow wine dance warrior mm-hmm. and a member mm-hmm. of what I think and, and people don't come after me for this. That's right. Don't come after. Don't people. <laughs> The class of 86 is the closest class in the history of wine dance. My question is why? What is the glue that binds the class of 86 together? You know, I don't know. I, I We've always been that way. Um, we've had disappointment, I mean, disagreements. You know, we might not agree with each other, but we always make sure that, that we're there for each other. So I, I don't know. I guess it's just love. <laughs> Love, love, love is that binding agreement because I watch y'all. Y'all show up for each other's stuff. Yes, your fortieths, your fiftieths, your weddings, your your losses. Mm-hmm. All love. Y'all experience mm-hmm. everything. And other events too. Not to cut you off, yeah, but I um I have a couple of classmates. They're um they have boutiques in terms of clothes and stuff. We're always there for each other with their lives. Sharon Thacker Tucson, rather young. Um, just all, just I can name a whole bunch of other people. Um, even in the school district, there were a lot of us who worked in the school district. Um, Shelly and, and Eddie, and I can't think of everybody right now, but we were always, you know, there for one. Even if we dropped by to say, hey, what's going on? How you doing? <laughs> you know, so. That that one attachment, class of 86, y'all, y'all have it. It shows up. It's it's obvious don't argue with me they got it that's Mm-mm. my that's my that's my choice that's my my uh view of looking at wine dance not only from the perspective of shadow class of 80 but from my time and working with wine dance day and just seeing different classes navigate and do everything together and especially you guys show up a lot together on social media mm-hmm. always having each other's back always plugging each other and that's big having support is everything so so tracy let's go ahead and jump into it. Um, okay. My theme for this season is hashtag change the narrative. And you are a person that has changed the narrative, not once, not twice, <laughs> but a couple of times. So if we had done this 10 years ago, maybe a little longer, I'd be asking you about spirit of soul. Yes. You know, yes. so we'll, we'll get into that. But right now you've just shifted from working at the district for many years to your new venture as an author. So talk about how did you change 
the narrative? How did you get past all the voices in your head that says, could I do this? Should I do this? How did you do that? Um, with a lot of prayer and support. I wanted to leave probably a few years ago because I was feeling like I'm not able to do this the way I wanted to. But it wasn't time yet. Okay. It wasn't time yet. I mean, my husband's like, well, do it, well, do it. I'm like, I don't know if it's time yet. So it got to a point, I think, where um, I just couldn't do it anymore. Okay. And I think with the onset of the pandemic and being home, I worked from home, and I also had an opportunity to work a lot more on my, on my books and, and things to grow my business, um, that that time home really gave me a – a perspective, a different perspective. Life is too short. Yes. Life is way too short. Just just go for it. Your husband has your back. This is the perfect opportunity um, because of the pandemic and everyone's locked down to transition to full-time author. And I don't regret it at all. I'm like, why did I wait that long? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a reason. So and now that's you, how. And now you are living. The dream. I'm living the dream. You are you are living the dream. You are telling a story. You posted something. Um, did a little bit of research this morning, just looking at your your journey, your transition from zero to eight, nine books. You published. Joseph's published. Uh, so what you wrote about Mike's book, but that transition to do so much so quick. You have one post. Uh, I'm going to get the quote wrong, so correct okay. me. Which pretty much said. Um, Give voice to that story mm-hmm. in your head. Mm-hmm. What was the exact quote? And tell me what the impetus of. Um, let me see if I can remember. Oh gosh, if the the voices yes. inside your head, I know I'm gonna get it wrong. <laughs> so, but it's something like if the voices are 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 screaming or calling inside your head, it's time to push and give birth. Yes, yes, that was it. That was it. That's. That's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. If the voices that are screaming in your head, it's time to give birth. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think that's for men and women. We all have ideas. Yes. And so this is giving birth mm-hmm. to those ideas. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Here's, yes. here's the story. We all have a story to tell. And you not only tell that story verbally, you're not only telling that story by posting it, but you have taken the next step and put it into writing. So let's uh, let's get into the uh, books. Which one of these books is first? Who's first up? First born, 2015, 2014. 2014. <laughs> <Birthday> bubbles. <laughs> the Real Life Adventure of JoJo Bean. And I am a terrible host, people, because I forgot to acknowledge one of the guests that's in the room that's present with us today. So we have Mr. Jojo Bean on set. (laughs) He's the first guest to occupy um, that seat that was just decorative before, but he said, no, Kev, I don't want to sit back here. I want to chill there. (laughs) And that's where he's at. So before it's over, we might actually have him on the table. And this is Birthday Bubbles. um, And this is Jojo Bean. And tell me about who your audience is when you're writing for this book. What age children? Okay, so all these books, except for these two, well, these two, too, but that's chapter books, but all the picture books are for children ages four to eight. I've had some parents to buy for even younger. Um, 
the Jojo Bean Adventures, it is actually based on my son, the real Jojo Bean, a.k.a. Joe the Warrior now, because he's too old to be called Jojo Bean. <laughs> um, yeah, I was inspired to write because of him. Beautiful. Watching, having your son, watching him grow, watching him do different things. You're looking at this beautiful young man, and what do you see? What do you see that makes you want to write? Well, the the truth of the matter is that you know, I'm an avid reader. I was always an avid reader. I loved to write. My friend and I, when we were uh, in the fourth grade, we used to sit and write, and we branded our own stuff by tying red ribbons around it and stuff like that. Um, so actually, for those who don't know, because a lot of people think my first dream was to own a dance studio. Okay. It's not. Okay. This is actually my first dream. My second dream was a dance studio, so I did it in reverse. Okay. Um, so... Reading to him as a young child, and especially as he got old enough where we were able to go to the library, three or four, whatever, and the bookstores, I saw like a lot of great books, but a lot of them lacked diversity and color. I got it. So instead of complaining about it, I wanted to be a part of the solution. So Trey, I heard a long time ago that idea that you have, that thing that you see is missing that, that vision is yours. It's mm-hmm. on to you to create it. Mm-hmm. So you're in the library. You're looking for books with character that look like your son, the real-life JoJo right. Bean, and there weren't a lot. Not a lot at all. I know when I was growing up, I don't know if you remember, the only book that I could remember, and this is throughout the whole you know, elementary school and secondary school and high school, the only book I could remember vividly was A Snowy Day by Ezra Jack Keats. Okay. That is the only book with a black character that I can remember. Wow. And that says the, something. Not even the, the the book being about them, but the only book with a right. singular black mm-hmm. character. And I could be wrong, but that's the only one. I mean, I love that book so much. That's the only one I can remember. I can remember where, um, was it the, where the wild things are. Well, that's about, you know, monsters. And there's a, um, there's a study by Uni- University of Wisconsin um, that says in 2019 there were only 11% of all the books published. Now, I don't know if that's traditionally published or self-published like myself, but only 11% of the book had main characters who featured African Americans. For other cultures and races, is even lower. Well, uh, people that are listening to us, there's, there's a couple of ways you can take that. Uh, you could take it as something's missing and let's get mm-hmm. some signs and walk down the street. Or you could take the approach that Tracy took and you could write the book that's in you so it can be seen. Um, there's, there's so much in this. I want to take my time with this narrative and really, really tell this story. Um, how important is it for children when they're reading and their intellectual growth and development to see people like them in being the hero of the story. How important is that? Oh, it's, it's, it's very important. You want the child to grow with a self, a self-confidence, never um, doubting themselves, never feeling like they're less than important. Well, how come my story doesn't matter? And the funny thing is that, well, Joseph's older now. He's never said it before, but I think a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about movies and Black Panther and all that stuff, and he said, Mom, Dad, how come there are not a lot of black actors in movies who are featured, who are mean? And we're like, you know, that's why we do what we do. That's why we're doing Mm -hmm. it because Joseph 
you haven't written those movies yet. Yeah, absolutely. You and haven't written those absolutely. movies yet. I think it's so important. Um, I love the investment that some people, specifically I mentioned LeBron James, that's mm. investing behind mm-hmm. the scenes and bringing some of these stories to the forefront. LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony. Yep. I think it's a good spend of money to help people have their stories mm-hmm. told, whether it's on screen, whether it's on Broadway, whether it's published in a book. Stories are everything. Um, going right. back to uh, African culture, if you will, the one of the most important members of the community was the griot, mm-hmm. the person that is the keeper of the stories. Um, do you feel that griot responsibility in telling these stories? Um, not that you mentioned, I guess so. I never thought about it that way, but I guess so. Um, I just write what's in me and um, just to be able to inspire others, especially our uh, black and brown children. So, yeah, I guess I, yeah, I, guess I, I do. So, Trace, you've done a phenomenal job, not only of writing the books, but I think you've done a great job of branding and marketing yourself. And your brand is very similar to mine. You know, my Kevin Spann brand that's mm-hmm. behind me, I stand for three things. Insurance, information, inspiration. Mm-hmm. The insurance I sell, the information, the inspiration is free. This is informative and very inspiring. And um, I noticed something that I would have asked you about <laughs> later, but it jumps out to me, that looking at this first cover of JoJo Bean, you have diversity in it from the beginning. Yeah, that was and very important. one of your characters that's featured here, Twisted Tina, is now has her own book. So let's talk about that. Who is Twisted Tina <laughs> in, real, in real life? In real life, I don't know if I could reveal that's the name. Right. Keep, that, keep it on the low, then. Keep it on the low. So when I first um, created Birthday Bubbles, the characters were inspired by my son's friends because his friends were very diverse from different cultures. So Twisty Tina is a little bit of this person and a little bit of that person. Um, so you have Twisty Tina, who's Caucasian. And believe it or not, Worry Wendell is Asian. Nice. <laughs> no, he has, he's like Asian mix. Nice. So, <laughs> so I wanted to represent that diversity because watching Joseph and his friends just get along yes. so well without all these issues, there's no political thing involved they just see the heart yes so I wanted to do that from the beginning because that was the other thing that I didn't see I didn't see a lot of diversity it's either um one of one thing and one of the other which is fine but I also wanted to bring the story of love and unity and diversity into the book the the beauty of it is well that children are innocent they don't know Mm -hmm. these things until we tell them Tracy, you and I being Wine Dance Warriors may be a little bit different. There are a few years between us in school, but we didn't go to school with a lot of diversity. No. It was mainly us. Yes, yes. It was mainly us. Talk to me about your first introduction to diversity. <laughs> was that college? Was that the workplace? Talk to me about that experience. It was in college. Um, I went to school in Washington, D.C. at American University, and it was funny because when I told everybody, I'm going to, D- I'm going to school in D.C., everyone assumed Howard. Right. And I was like, no, it's American <laughs> University. And at the time, people were like, where is that? But now it's, you know, it's well known. Um, I did that deliberately because I wanted to experience firsthand diversity. So I went, and it was such a culture shock yes. to me. I mean, I probably cried <laughs> every day. So, so I called my mother every day, my friends who my 
great friends now, my college friends, they were like, you need to get a hold of yourself. <laughs> because they were used to it. I wasn't. But, um, yeah, so, but I learned to adapt, and I learned that people are people. You know, no matter what the race is, you're going to have some crazy people. You're going to have some people that don't study. You're going to have people that um, get old age. You're going to have people that are there for you. You're going to have people who hate you. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. So, so, so Tracy, let me just put this out there for those that don't know. But my memory is correct. It does fail me sometimes. Now that you're a member of the class of 86, you are the valedictorian of the class of 86. Yes. Yes. Let's go! <laughs> Valley Dictorian, class of 86, and you go to Washington, D.C., a.k.a. Chocolate City, which is high, whatever the exact number, percentage mm. black that it is. Mm-hmm. But instead of Howard, you go to American University, so you experience diversity in our nation's capital. Right. And you learn to get along. My experience is exactly the same. I didn't experience diversity until mm. I went upstate to Eisenhower mm. College, but I didn't really engage. I postponed my engagement and I okay. joined every black diverse <laughs> organization I could. Um, but it wasn't really until I entered the workforce at Allstate where uh, one of the requirements was that you sit with your work group. Okay. So if you were a manager, you sat with managers. If you were an underwriter, you sat with underwriters. And you couldn't handpick your friends that look like you. So I'm very thankful that I was introduced to it that way, mm-hmm. and I had to broaden my horizon. Um, so first experience, American college. You leave American college. Where do you enter the workforce at? Um, no, I went from American University to graduate school. Okay. So I went to graduate school, and I got my uh, master's in public administration, public finance. Okay. I went upstate to SUNY Albany. Yes, yes. Okay. Freezing, very freezing very cold. diverse environment, very cold. Mm-hmm. I went to school upstate, <laughs> further north than that. You come home with your master's. Mm-hmm. Where do you enter the workforce at? I entered the workforce. Um, I was. I actually had what they call a co-op. It's like a paid internship. Um, I got it when I was in graduate school with United States General Accounting Office. Okay. I love that job so much. <laughs> oh, my God. I experienced and did things. I was an um, evaluator. Okay. So we were uh, tasked with evaluating federally funded programs. So whatever request that a senator or a House of Rep- a representative had about a program or whatever, we evaluated it and we gave them um, – a non-biased uh, conclusion Looking at the about it. of the program. Is this something mm-hmm. that can help? Is this mm-hmm. something that would benefit the community? Yes. Where was the job located at? In New York City, Seven World Trade Center. So you, ooh, there's a story that's here that I didn't know. You worked in the World Trade Center until when? Until well, I wasn't there. Um, I didn't work there uh, for 9/11, but I did work there when the first um, explosion Sorry. happened. Yeah, I remember that vividly because we had no idea. So I left there. Um, well, what happened was they downsized, and it was a choice between Boston and New York, and they chose the New York office. To downsize. Downsize. So, mm-hmm. date, date that. When did that happen? That, I'm going to say 1994, 94, 95, something like that. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so so five years, six years before the attack, some, mm-hmm. or five or six years. Mm-hmm. So... Everyone paying uh, attention, World Trade Center, 9-11, obviously September 11th, 2001, we're under attack. Five to six years before mm-hmm. that, you're, you're, you're working there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
pre-attack, what do you remember about working in the World Trade Center? Oh, it was just like the epicenter of everything. I loved working down there. I mean, every lunchtime they had a lot of music and, and activities. It was just it was just vibrant and lively. Tell me if I remember this incorrectly, and I think I do. Many years before that, I remember there being clubs and after workshops yes, that you go yes, to under the World absolutely. Trade Center. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. Wow. So the decision of the company to keep the Boston office Closed the New York office. How did? What was the next transition? What was the next phase for you? Um, I worked for City University of New York. Okay, stayed in the city in the budget office. Kept that commute. Stayed I was in the yeah, that was worse because I was on the east side. Okay, so uh, it took me a minute, but um, yeah, I worked there. Um, I loved that job too, but I was given. I think I was there for a couple of years, and I was given an opportunity to work for St. John's University as the assistant treasurer. Outstanding. So I went there uh, for a year, and I realized this is not for me. (laughs) (laughs) It was, like, really stressful. And then um, I ended up getting a job as a financial reviewer or evaluator with um, Bailey House, which is a nonprofit organization. I was with them for a few years, and then I said, I can't do the commute anymore. I can't. It will, I it, can't. It was stressful. It, it, it will, the commute is a, is a second full-time uh, job. As mm-hmm. you know, my agency is in uh, Queens. Yes. So when you were coming to St. John's, very close to Middle Village, where I'm, where I'm based out of. But, Tracy, you have a wealth of business experience mm-hmm. long before coming to the, mm-hmm. to, the, to the district. And how much does that business experience come into play now, now that you're an independent contractor, author, that's branding, marketing, mm. publishing, and promoting your own book. How much of that comes into play right now? Oh, 110%. Beautiful. 110% because I'm able to, um, <clears throat> I can create a spreadsheet from you like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> um, and I'm able to look at the data and analyze, you know, say, for example, okay, this book, not doing as well as it should. What can I do? What can we cut back? So I'm able to make those business decisions that are necessary to move the brand forward. You can remove the emotion. I can remove the emotion. You can remove the emotion and say, they don't love my baby. Mm -hmm. Why don't they read? Is this, that? Um, Mike, on the other hand, is completely (laughs) (laughs) like, like, what do you mean? I don't care. They don't like it. No, 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 no. That's that's the yin and the... (laughs) And the Yang. I heard something yesterday. I think I was listening to someone else's podcast, and they talked about um, business decisions are a combination of data and gut feel. Yes, you need both. Yes, you need both your mm-hmm. intuition plus the data. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just factual. You have to go exactly. with the numbers. You have to go with the bottom line, and you can't be upset because being upset for too long, you have to learn how to convert. Yes. that anger mm-hmm. into the. Uh, into the next thing. So we have uh, we have all this experience. I want to fast forward a few years. Um, this is not your first venture in business. No. You created a phenomenal uh, Spirit of Soul dance duo. Yes, great memories. Uh, great, great <laughs> memories. You took a group of children, a small group of children. You grew that group of children all the way from practicing locally to the McDonald's Gospel Fest. Talk about the journey. Oh my goodness, I had to remember <laughs> our journey. <laughs> well, that was one of the ideas, um, one of the my dreams. And then Mike, of course, he's like, let's just go for it. So next thing I know, we're looking I love for it. warehouse space and all that stuff. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. 
Um, so, but I knew that I wanted to give um, the the students the same experience I had when I was growing up and dancing for Mr. Hayes. Um, I wanted to give them that feeling of family, the feeling of confidence, um, and even just being able to go to each other or go to me or go to whatever teacher to talk about things maybe they might not necessarily be comfortable in. So, I mean, that is phenomenal. You grew a phenomenal studio. You guys killed it. Dance game off the chain. <laughs> Thank you. Obviously uh, good. My own son, uh, my middle son, Dominique, had a chance to dance with you. And that was phenomenal for him because it did give him that confidence. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a life skill that he has. And when he stopped dancing and started playing basketball, I can remember Dre, Andre Edwards, always saying, Nico, you good with the ball because you, <laughs> you've been doing all of that dancing. Now you're dancing on the court. Yes, So, yes. so definitely um, I enjoyed the journey with you, going to the Apollo Theater, mm-hmm. uh, being behind the scenes, seeing that. Absolutely an incredible journey. And then I also remembered our conversation when you told me you thought you were done. Oh, my goodness. Did I have that conversation? <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, you okay. did. We kind of were was just asking you. What's next? Uh, Tracy's also my client. So in our journey of doing business, I was asking you about what's next. And you're like, Kevin, I, I don't know. And I think it was maybe before Joseph was born. Or okay. Right around there, okay. And you're like, you know, I don't know. And I, I shared with you, I said, you know, we never know how long anything is yes. going to last. But if you don't have that get up and go about it, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's okay to, to stop something after you've given birth to an idea. And it goes that far. And you've right. done everything you could do. You grew with a group of kids that started pretty young, and then mm-hmm. they graduated. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find that energy to do that again. It is. It is. And um, <clears throat> looking at them now all grown, it just <laughs> amazes me. And then when they come and they have so much love, and parents said, you really had an impact on my children. And I, I just never really thought about that. But I think I probably, um, if it was before Joseph was born, that means I stayed open Way past, and I, I, way past what I should have. Right. And then it got to the point, I remember that last year, I was just in a deep, I was in a deep depression about my, you know, things going on with myself personally. Mm-hmm. Like, what should I do? And then I was an, um, um, a mom of a, a young child. Joseph was, what, three, two? So it was going through all of that. And I remember sitting in the corner of the dance studio, I'm like, not do this anymore. Wow. I can't. I was just. I just sat there. I was watching um, one of my students who had grown with me teach because she was my assistant teacher. She was um, in her twenties at that time, and I was like, uh, I, I can't do this. And I can't do this. What's, what's, what's good? I've been in a lot of conversations, especially this past year and a half, just about mental health, mm-hmm. mental well being, mm-hmm. and awareness. Um, and you mentioned you were in a deep depression. How did you take yourself out of that space? What got you through it? What? Um, prayer. And I really, I really focused on my prayer life, um, Bible study. I met um, an amazing woman who we're still friends with now through a, a women's ministry that I discovered online. So that helped me a lot. And actually... That's when I started journaling and writing, um, and then I started writing for the the women's ministry. I can't remember the name <laughs> right now. Um, so that really helped me to to get up and out of that cave. 
So these books are the birth of that process. The beginning of the beginning it. Yeah, of, the beginning. The beginning of <laughs> Shortly the, after, yes, the, these books the came about. The beginning of the healing energy. The healing, yes. The beginning of the healing energy. Um, there's a lot of people that are going to watch this um, on IG, watch it on YouTube, or listen to it wherever they listen to podcasts at. A lot of people think they have books in them. Mm-hmm. Would you say journaling is the place that people should begin? Oh, absolutely. I have so many journals. Yes, absolutely. You're able to to get your thoughts down. And when you have these pages and pages of books, I mean, of uh, page, <laughs> pages and pages in your journal, you look at it and say, well, wow, I can actually write a book. So let's, let's dial back. And it's good let's, practice, too. Explain it to me like I'm a two-year-old for mm-hmm. someone that doesn't know how to begin journaling. What is a journal? Our journal is um, a book that you keep of all your thoughts, of all your um, your highs and your lows, of your dreams and aspirations, and maybe your nightmares as well too, and things that happen in your life. And it's a way. Is it a way for you just to talk to yourself? Yes. Maybe yes. by writing, right. or saying it out loud, mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily have to share it with anybody. Right. It's a reflection. That's a, I think that's a good word. It's a reflection. Absolutely. It's a reflection. Mm-hmm. Is it empowering in the sense that once you've written it down? You can see it on paper. Yeah. Everything. <clears throat> I mean, for me and like a lot of people, when you see it on paper or you just get it out, just just pour it out, you just feel 100% better. Something about that whole writing process, about getting something out of you. I guess it's the same thing as if you cry. You know, you cry after you cry, you feel better. It's the same thing with journaling. Do you think sometimes people hold things and hold thoughts because they haven't written down and they haven't gotten it to the point of completion and really dealt with it? Or maybe there's something they have to say to somebody, but they haven't heard. So, but mm-hmm. writing it, it's there. Right. And then sometimes I think, too, people are probably afraid to write it down to see that the solution is in front of them or they're afraid of what the solution might be mm-hmm. or they're just afraid of their own thoughts. And would you say that if they would take this step to journal and begin to write it down, that the answers they seek may be inside of them? Oh, definitely. Most definitely. Not inside of? Not inside, right? Not inside of Facebook. No <laughs> offense, but I'm on Facebook too. You're like, what? I'm on, I'm on. So, oh, yes. my God. <laughs> yep, within them. Within them. Mm-hmm. And they'll find it when they write it because maybe by the time you write it down. Right. Seeing is believing. Yep, got to mm-hmm. see it. Got to mm-hmm. see it. I'm a writer in a sense that uh, I end every night and I begin every day with a list, if you will. Okay. If I write it, it's a 50% chance I'm going to do mm-hmm. it. If I don't write it, it's like a 99% mm-hmm. chance. It's just not going to happen. Right. Because during the course of the day, we all get pulled in a thousand mm-hmm. directions. And um, it's a sports thing with me. I try to start the day strong. I check in at halftime around 12 o'clock. It's like, Kev, did you do anything that you said you were going to do? And then at about 4 o'clock, I'll write myself a note saying, finish strong. Mm-hmm. Just finish today strong. Whatever you said you were going to do, finish strong until you stop. How does that come into play as a writer? So I'm going to go backwards through some of your journey. Working in the city, you're a commuter. Mm-hmm. That means you're up at a certain time. You're mm-hmm. on the train two hours before you have to get to job. Prepare for all that that might go wrong. You're at the job, you're off the job, you commute back, and you're doing all that. That's Mm -hmm. the schedule. Working in the district, you're local. You're at like a big five-minute commute. (laughs) 
and you do the job, and you have things you carry, and then you ran your studio. So that's balance of time. Mm -hmm. What does your workday look like as a writer? <laughs> okay, so I I am not a morning person <laughs> at all. <laughs> I'm not. I find that I do most of my writing at night when the house is quiet and still and everyone's asleep. Um, so I'll get up, have a breakfast, um, look through my emails. I might do a couple of things. Um, right now I'm working on helping, um, someone else to publish his book. Uh, he is a older gentleman who's down South and he has a wonderful story. He's in his sixties and he, uh, I'd like to say skateboard. He kiteboards. He surfs and he skis. And his his um, message is, if I can do it, you definitely could do it, too. So we have the adventures of JoJo Bean, <laughs> and we have the adventures of someone that's in their 60s, and they're doing these activities. So I, I, I have to ask, because this makes the story interesting <laughs> and compelling. If I were to picture him visually, is he somebody I would think of as doing these activities? Mm. Mm, no. Okay. No, I had to think about it. I mean, he's fit and everything, but just looking at him, no. Okay. No. <laughs> I got it. Is there traditional activities that someone growing up in wine dance like we would do? We don't know people that, that do mm -hmm. any of these activities. Mm -hmm. okay? mm -hmm. That brings me to another point about JoJo Bean. I love the fact that JoJo Bean, in a real-life Joseph, very active in sports, mm -hmm. but not necessarily traditional sports. The back yes. of your car when you pulled up today, you have swim taxi. Oh, back. yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about the swim taxi business. Oh. How does that work? So one thing that my husband and I agreed upon before Joseph was born, there were two things he had to do. He had to do martial arts to learn how to defend himself. Okay. Not not discipline, because a lot of people said, oh, you put him in for discipline. I'm like, no, no that's no, what no, we're no, for. No, no, no. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's defending. And he had to learn how to swim. I can't swim a lick. I would drown if I, I mean, I probably would. But I can't swim. And Mike says he can't swim, but as long as the water isn't above his head, he's fine. Okay. So um, Joseph started, well, I started taking him to Mommy and Me classes. And then he started doing one-on-one. And as he got older, he really loved it. So um, we took him to a safety swim, and he saw that trophy. It was like 10 levels, master swimmer. He's like, Mommy, Daddy, I want that trophy right there. <laughs> and we're sitting here calculating the money. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. And a lot of the kids that um, attend there, they, they quit once they learn how to swim, but not this kid. Kept he on. went all the way and got his, his trophy and stuff. He did swim um, on the swim team with safety swim. But then we realized, and he realized, most importantly, he realized that he was bored. Okay. Because um, it's just a recreational thing. Got it. And he wanted to swim more seriously. And I have a good friend um, who talked to me. and was like, he needs to swim competitively. Because she was watching. And he's like, he's really good. So we um, had him to Sign up, um, try out for Team Suffolk. And okay. actually, he caught the eye of um, a guy who runs a swim camp. Nice. I mean, he, like, flagged my husband down. I was like, I need to talk to you. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah. 
And um, so he tried out for Team Suffolk a few years ago. He made it on the team. He had a wonderful experience 2019, but then 2020, things got shut down. They were able to swim last year. Um, not as much as they usually compete, but they were able to compete. So this is his third season, and he got moved up pretty quickly with them. Joseph, how old now? 11. <laughs> He'll be 12 uh, in March. And swimming competitively. Um, so for I want to speak to a couple of audiences on, on this point. So for my whole non-black audience, which is plenty of you, uh, one of the stereotypes, and for the black audience, mm-hmm. one of the things they say is that we don't swim. Yeah, black boys can't swim, but black they boys can. Can't swim. We can. can. We can. Yeah. And we do. Black girl. Yeah. I'll make you laugh. You know what I learned to swim? I took it as a class in college. Mm. I took it as a class, so I learned how to swim. But basic, not on Joseph's mm. level. So phenomenal that he's into this, but phenomenal that he's competing, and most importantly, that he likes it. When he you love loves to do it. It's everything. Yeah, his goal actually is he wants to be. Um, an Olympic swimmer. He said, I'm going to make it to the Olympics. You oh know, even God. if it's the Olympic trial, there are a few um, swimmers on his team that made the Olympic trials. So he's like, I don't care if it's the Olympic trial. That's his goal. And he also wants to go around, um, travel around the world, teaching children who can't swim and can't afford lessons to swim. And he also wow. wants to be a lifeguard. Wow. Those are his goals. I love his goals. I love his dream. And shout out to you and Mike for exposing him to this a non-traditional path to allow him to do it. And then for sharing his stories through the book. So other kids that read Mm -hmm. it can aspire to pursue a different path as well. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Still doing martial arts or he's he's good. Oh no, he's still, no, he's still, he's going to go all the way up to that too. He is actually, he'll be getting his first black belt the end of the month. And then they have, he does mixed martial arts. So they have something called Mudan Shin, and they have to go through the ranks of the black belts until they get the final one. So he starts that next year when he turns 12. It's a lot of training. It's a lot of stuff they have to it's, do it's for that a, test. It's a lot of Ugh. dedication and support. When mm-hmm. I hear mixed martial arts, I think MMA. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Yep. All sort of fight styles. Mm-hmm. In and out of situations. And he could, I mean, the collie with the sticks and the, the sword and the whatever that staff is called. He can do all that, the knife and... And Taekwondo, Muay Thai, yeah. Wow. He would probably kill, kill, I mean, I'm not just saying (laughs) that. He probably, he probably, yeah, if he didn't, if he got into a fight, it would probably be ugly. Be bad. The good news is it's if. Yeah, exactly, if. Not when, because he's he's in an environment where he doesn't have to do it. Right, and then they teach them um, not to use martial arts to show off or anything, but as a defense. And they tell them to do Everything to try to diffuse the situation and use the fighting as the last resort. I love it. And that's what uh, I have friends that grew up knowing martial arts. Uh, growing up where we grew up, it's mm. kind of fighting. It's kind of part of it. Mm. Part of making friends. Um, but one of my friends has done it uh, his whole life from kindergarten through 12th fast forward today. Mm. He never had a fight. And I actually said, mm. everybody knows you do this, but I never saw you really have a fight. He says, yeah, he said, kind of, I was close to a lot of situations, mm-hmm. but I always had the confidence to walk away. Yes. He said, and God forbid if someone touched me, then I know 10 mm-hmm. ways to end it very quickly, mm-hmm. but it never got there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So I'm going to pull, I'm going to grab <laughs> two more books okay. that I got I to gotta show. <laughs> so this is Delectable Vegetables. Mm-hmm. 
with you looking at Joseph, not wanting his vegetables. And I think every parent out there can relate to that big time. Uh, what was the impetus for this story? That one, actually, that's the second book. It's funny that you pulled that out. And, I mean, Joseph, and we never had a problem with Joseph eating his vegetables. But then I thought about all the stories that I heard about parents. Oh, I can't get them to eat their vegetables or try to hide it, try to do that. And I said, that's a story that anybody, it doesn't matter the color, any parent can relate to the child and the vegetables. What do all children want usually? They ask for chicken nuggets, yes. french fries, yes. pizza, cookie, everything, but, you know, vegetables. I mean, some kids are fine. but So that's how that story was created. And actually, the lady on the cover, the mom, was taking in the likeness of my mom. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Love and caring, the big eyes, just really- <laughs> And I see the resemblance. I see the resemblance <laughs> as well. So I'm going to pull two more books. I usually don't talk about insurance during the podcast, but there's some parallels here that I can't resist. Safety. Yes. Safety first. All about water safety. That's actually one. That book is very popular, very okay. popular. So it talks about water safety around the pool mostly. Um, Jojo Bean's granddad takes him to the new town pool, and he has all these unsafe ideas about what he should do. <laughs> and he's trying to convince him, him and his friends not to do it, and at the end he does something, um, and then they talk to him about water safety. And at the end I have a series, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 rules, not only safety around the pool, but safety in the beach, the lake, and all that water safety rules. Keep people safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are lost in drowning accidents mm-hmm. every year. So it's a big issue. Is everything. So, taking nothing away from your books, but of the books you brought to me today, I had a chance to read this one before we started. And this is not to give fair credit. This book is not by Tracy. The author of this book is young Joseph Francis. Yes, and, yes. Uh, that's phenomenal by itself. Not only did Joseph write the book, he also did the illustration. Yes, he did. So he drew the art. Yes. And what attracted me to this book, uh, reading through it before we started, this book is about fire safety. And that's a direct parallel to my industry where talking about this from the standpoint mm-hmm. of a child about fire safety mm-hmm. is everything. Um, I can go there now, but I'll wait. But I think... Insurance companies, all state, if you're looking and listening in Northbrook, State Farm, if you're listening in Indiana, great way to tell fire safety stories to kids from a kid's perspective about what can happen and what they can do to help. So absolutely phenomenal. So the last book I'm going to grab on mm-hmm. is Tina. And this is just like power, a 50-cent series. You know, we introduce... <laughs> Tina, way in the beginning, this is 2000? 14, 15. 14. And fast forward, is this first or second? This is, okay, she's That's at the birthday bash. last, yeah, this is. The coloring. Mm-hmm. And Tina, is this her first book? That's her first book. This is Twisted Tina. So she's a character that gets a spinoff yes. in her own book. Talk to me about Twisted Tina not being ready for a pet. Mm, mm. So that story too. Well, Twisty Tina, just to let you know, of course she's one Twisty of JoJo's. Tina. Yep, one of JoJo Bean's best friend. And the reason I gave her her own book because every time we would go somewhere, the little girls 
Doesn't matter the color, they flocked to her. <laughs> and Mike said, you have to give her her own story. So I thought about what I could do different. And I said, I need to start writing chapter books. So okay. those, those books that are, you have your picture book, and then you have your early grade chapter books for those kids who are a little more advanced than picture book or ready to read on their own or with a little help. So that's what that book represents. But the story itself, mm, Joseph, when he was in first grade, begged us for a pet. Okay, okay. And Mike and I said, no way. We had a dog, a lab. <laughs> we loved the lab. He died. We're like, that's it. No more. <laughs> Love the lab, but it was just too much. Died when Joseph was born, actually. Oh, wow. Um, but Joseph begged us for a pet. I'm like, no, we don't even want to get you a fish. <laughs> and so you probably know this firsthand. Grandma and granddad stuff in. Like, oh, you should get him a pet. We're going to get him. He wanted a hamster. I'm like, a okay. hamster? Charlie <laughs> just, like, run no on the hill. No mouse in the house. That's it. But so then my mom said, oh, let's get him a rabbit. What can I say to grandma and granddad? I'm like, oh, So we had this rabbit. It was a lion hair rabbit because their head looks like a rabbit. Cutest little thing. His name was, he named the Rufus. Rufus, obvious name for the rabbit. Rufus, Rufus the rabbit. Rufus the rabbit. And it was fine. He got it for Christmas. It was fine. It was great. You know, it was off during the break. Then school comes. Joseph, did you feed the rabbit? Did you take him out to play with him? Did you change his water? And after a couple of months, Joseph's like, this is too stressful for me. So grandma and granddad took the rabbit back. Got it. And Rufus stayed with them until he died. Oh, my gosh. Has there been a second pet? Has been no, a- no. And Joseph has become fondly attached to a couple of, well, one in particular, in his sixth grade science homeroom. His name is Tucker. Okay. And it's a snake. Nice. And I'm Tuck like, and a snake. no, no, ma'am, can I please take it home? Because they get a chance to be considered, I guess they draw um, straws or whatever they do to figure out who's going to take it home for the break. Like, no, absolutely not. Tucker is not going to be in rotation. No, they take Tucker out every, you know, all the time. They see what he's going to do. Joseph's held it. He's like, he likes me. Oh, my God. No, uh, there's no no snake, no bearded dragon, no fish, not yes. even an ant. Not coming. Mm-mm. We got enough going on Mm-mm. at the French household. Yes. We don't, we don't need that. <laughs> no, we no. Don't, we don't no. need that. We no. don't need that. Well, that is, uh, that. that's absolutely beautiful, absolutely uh Phenomenal. Um, Trace, I know from the beginning, uh, again, my time with Wine Dance Day, that you guys have always done a lot in the community, mm-hmm. naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jojo Bean has been in the community. Mm-hmm. He's marched in Wine mm-hmm. Dance Day parades. Uh, Jojo Bean has now grown to be Jojo the Warrior. Mm-hmm. How many people have contacted you guys about just having him come to birthday parties and things like that? Not birthday parties per se, but a lot of different events. Okay. Uh, we've been to the library a few times. Um, I've done readings for schools as far as Michigan. Okay. Virtually. Wow. Um, events out east. So it's more events okay. than birthday Especially parties. Especially in the world that we're yeah. in right now. Mm-hmm. Especially the world mm-hmm. that we're in right now. I'll tell you why I asked the question. I fast forward uh, my natural children. They're older now. But my grandchildren are two mm-hmm. and eight. And when I was looking at everything, just doing a little bit of research online before talking to you today, obviously I'm seeing what you're doing, but not completely cognizant. My God, 
my uh, granddaughter JD is eight right now. So these books, she's right in this transition of mm-hmm. reading her chapter books mm-hmm. right now. Um, the chance for someone to do that, to have you or Joseph or to have a birthday, a, a party where books are given out, mm-hmm. maybe instead of the sweets, mm-hmm. is much more filling. It's much more filling. It it's such a different experience for kids. And um, a lot of people talk about going back to normal. I have no interest in going back mm-hmm. to what it was. I'm constantly looking for what's next yes. and what's new. So what you're doing, I definitely think is next, and I definitely think is new, and I Thank think it's you. something people should consider. Tracy, where can people find you? Um, I am, my website is www.tracewilkinsfrancis.com. I am also on Instagram, Tracy, or it's spelled T-R-A-C-E, Wilkins Francis. On Facebook, it's uh, T-R-A-C-E, Wilkins Francis, comma, author. And I think I have a Twitter page, too. But I'm more active on Instagram and Facebook. Beautiful, beautiful. So I'm doing my hand like this for my <laughs> editors. I definitely want all that on the bottom so it, it shows up and we can have that and people can find you. I'm loving, from a business standpoint, your marketing acumen and how you're building a community and how you're interacting with people on Instagram. You played a phenomenal game with your birthday recently, asking about your favorite books, Mm -hmm. favorite movies. How are you enjoying that interactive? Oh, I love it. I love it. It's a good way to connect with people, especially given um, some of the restrictions. So Mm -hmm. I always love to interact with people to see what's going on and and to to get that engagement. You are, there's a book, um, you're an avid reader, I'm an avid reader, probably different kinds of book. I Mm -hmm. like to read business books. Mm -hmm. I think it's called Fanatical Fans, and you're building a fanatical fan base and that you have people that want to hear from mm-hmm. you. If they subscribe to your page, mm-hmm. uh, you have the thing where, did you hear what's oh, next yes, where you're yes. notifying them in mm-hmm. advance? I think it's phenomenal. Um, another business question for you. One of the things I really enjoyed as well is I'm watching you network. Mm-hmm. I'm watching you network with crafting groups. I'm watching mm-hmm. you network with other black authors. I'm watching you work with different people. So talk to me about how you got into networking in this space and some of the things that, what brought you there and what are you discovering and, you know, what's okay. next in that space? So <clears throat> as authors or as writers, it could be very isolated and I didn't want to be isolated. So I joined a couple of Facebook groups um, and connected with people there. But in terms of the books itself, I knew when I created them, I wanted people to have a very specific experience, a very playful and a very fun, energetic experience. That's why everything is colorful. Even the way I dress is always yes. colorful. Yes. Um, and then I wanted to think, well, what else could I do to engage people? Because it's more than just the book. It's the experience. It's the brand. So kids love the crowd. Adults love the crowd. Um, my friend who I was telling you about, that I met during the um, online ministry. She's a big crafter. Okay. And um, she, I think one of her relatives owns a crafting business in Florida or something like that. So that's when I started doing the crafting with her. Um, The mommy blogger, um, Mommy Friends of Long Island, I met her years ago when we did an event at Eisenhower Park and we stayed connected. She loves, loves, um, to cook. Her daughter loved to bake. So then she had the idea. She reached out to me, Tracy, let's do baking up conversations. And in fact, I had to, I'm glad you said that because I had to reach out to her in the <laughs> summer with everything going on. But um, so I connected with her. And so we kind of, you know, help each other out 
with her blog. I help to promote her blog. She helps promote the books. And we love each other. We're great friends. So it's, it's things like that. It's and, uh, it's phenomenal to me how you're connecting with different people, not mm-hmm. only locally, but mm-hmm. you use the internet the way it should be used. Yes. There's someone in Florida that's doing something, mm-hmm. and you're doing the same thing. Right. We're a click away from kicking it. We good. Right. We're right. friends. Right. And the uh, the um the cross was it cross marketing or cross connections? There, it's 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 key. It's key to expanding any business. Um, I had a. And they actually, how did she find me? She found me. I think she just did. She said she did research. She is out in Washington State. Okay. She is a member of the Elk Lodge out there um, in Bremerton. And she reached out to me. I thought it was a hoax because, you know, at the time, there was a lot of hoax going on. Right. And I said, this can't be right. And then I started Googling her. I said, oh, this is serious. So I reached out to her. She bought um, a couple hundred of the Safety First books wow. because they got a grant for um, to expand reading and the the was it the purpose of one of their programs is to talk about safety. So each season they do a different safety and it was coming up on summer. So water safety. Nice. So she reached out to me and um, and uh, purchased over 200 books for to give out to the students out there. <coughs> so it's things like that. And then, oh, someone else reached out to me. She's in the Bronx. She's an um, African-American business owner. She just started her business last year or earlier this year. It's a Christmas. Everything, she makes Christmas ornaments that are all um, Afrocentric or African, you know, based. Oh, my goodness no gracious. <laughs> So um, she reached out to me because she bought the Christmas coat book on Amazon, and she fell in love with it. Okay. So she... um, This is the Christmas coat book. Yeah, the one that's wet now. No problem. (laughs) So we started talking, and she bought um, a bulk of the books, and she was so inspired and loved the book so much that she created a special ornament. It's, I think, this jacket um, to go with the Christmas coat book. When she vends and and sells on her website, I love it. So we plugged everything. So I'm gonna be, I'll be a bad host if I didn't <laughs> at least give some oh, time to park, park blues. blues. Yes, yes. So that is, um, you know, kids they they go to the park and everything is great, but for some reason sometimes they get bored. Like, how can you get bored in the park? Yes, so yes. it's all about Jojo Bean. He gets bored at the park, and he has this great but not-so-safe idea to um, play Superman in the swings or, or something like that, and he goes running, and he's not aware of his surroundings, and he falls in the hole, and it takes everyone in the park to come together to brainstorm ideas of how to get him out this hole. I love it. I love it. And then lastly, uh, we're recording this now. This is going to be dropped probably pre-Christmas. I don't know the exact date. But they also have a coloring book. That's the Yeah, this is the coloring book and activity book. This is available now, but it's only on my website. But I am also, it should be today at some point, um, publishing a Halloween book. Coloring book. Let's go. Let's go. So, Trace, this is where I think. I always think uh, a lot of things economic. There's a couple of, like, things 
Number one, as a parent and a grandparent and an uncle, I think of like a series of these books for my nieces mm-hmm. and nephews, uh, my grandchildren. But you shared something about the controversy now about mm. things being taught in school. What is the argument? Why wouldn't anyone want to have books about diversity in school so we can have a better understanding of one another? Fear. Um, fear of the unknown fear that they might discover something about themselves that they didn't know about. Um, And I would say, I don't want to say ignorance, but it's, it's a bit of ignorance there because why not share everyone's story? And so the, the, what Kevin is talking about, I heard on the news yesterday and then I read the post that um, Jerry Kraft, who is the author of several great graphic novels, he's African-American including the book called The New Kid, which is about um, a seventh grader, an African-American seventh grader, who wants to go to an art school, but instead his parents enroll him in this prestigious school that's predominantly white. I think it takes place in New York City. And so it's about his journey of being the new, not only the new kid, but probably one of the only few black kids in the school and being able to navigate between that world and the world that he comes from, as I think is Washington Heights. Okay. So to me, it's just a story, but they turned it into critical race. Like why would, you know how many kids go through that? Why wouldn't you want not only black kids, but why wouldn't other races want to know, oh, wow, I didn't know you went through that. Anybody can go that. It could have been Everybody. a white kid going to a, a predominantly black school. It, it doesn't it happens, matter. It happens. We live in a very transient world where I'm at. Uh, I'm in the world's borough, Queens. Mm. It's a little bit of everybody. Everybody mm-hmm. has their backstory of what they're going mm-hmm. through because they're different. And the more we learn about each other, the better it's going to be. Uh, so if there's any administrators, any schools out there, businesses, uh, if you interact with me, you know who I am. Uh, you know what I stand for. You know what my brand is. And obviously, if you interact with me, we're, we're great on diversity together. This is a phenomenal way to introduce uh, reading, also to introduce a different perspective to anyone. Mm-hmm. So please keep this in mind in your gifting and your conversations. And maybe you're in a district that's the opposite of the district that Tracy and I grew up in. Our district was 99 and one one way. <laughs> Maybe you're 99 and one the other way. It's a great way mm. for us to learn about each other. It's a bright new world ahead of us um, that's going to be so different, so yes. interesting, so inclusive. And the sooner we all inter- get introduced to it, the better we will be. Absolutely. Trace, we went every way from Sunday to Saturday that it's I can it. think of. Is there anything I could have or should have? Asked you about about what's next for Tracy, mm. what's next for JoJo the Warrior, what's next for JoJo Bean. Anything I should have touched upon that you would like to share? Well, um, I'm working on two middle grade novels that's between the ages of nine and twelve. One is a fantasy book, and yeah, that's going to be um, interesting. It's going to talk a lot about the some of the issues that kids go through today with bullying and things like that. It'll address that. Um, and then another book that I'm writing on, I mean, I'm writing, it was, I was inspired by Joseph and his best friend. And then I was also inspired by looking at 
his other friends because he goes to um, private school as well. So there's these two different worlds, but they don't, they just see it as one cohesive world. So I just found that really fascinating. And um, the story will be based around that. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, and I forgot because I told Joseph <clears throat> I was coming on this podcast. Yes. And he said, Oh, I want to come. You have school. He's like, But can you tell everybody to subscribe? So, yes, my Joe the Warrior Joe has the Warrior. a YouTube page. And let me tell you, some of his videos hit like 6,000. I'm saying, Hold like, up. I need to talk to you Hold about up. marketing. You Hold know? Up. <laughs> so, how's, how's that written? Joe the Warrior, how's it spelled exactly? It's just Joe, J O, space the Warrior on YouTube. So, if you could subscribe to his page, he would love that. He does put up some amazing content. I have to give it to him. This kid is, well, I guess. He can't help himself. <laughs> like he's really creative. <laughs> I, I, well, two creative parents that only make sense. So, people, please subscribe to Joe the Warrior to his mm-hmm. YouTube page and share it with a kid and share it with a kid and share it with a kid. And let's let help Joe blow up. Yes, yes. And the other thing is, you know, my husband is a, a filmmaker and in movies, working a couple of now. But I am excited because I will be publishing his book. called Borrow Time, and it's all about his experiences working as a medical examiner and the medical issues that he's going through and how the experience as working for the the morgue, I'm just going to (laughs) say, the morgue um, has carved his journey dealing with his medical issue. I love it. I love it. You want to give voice to the medical issue or you want to save it for another day? I'll save it. Well, should I save it? Oh, it's multiple myeloma. Okay. It's multiple myeloma. Okay. Yep. So um, that's uh, that's phenomenal. Um, uh, shout out to Mike again. Very, very grateful that he's well and making mm-hmm. it through his journey. Look yes. forward to the publishing of the, the book. Um, just amazed, amazed. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to close this conversation because there's so much more to talk about, but we've been at this uh, somewhere around an hour, so it is time. So for more, I hope I've asked enough good questions to leave you thirsting for more. Whatever I was remiss in doing, please follow her online. Ladies and gentlemen, phenomenal woman, Tracy Francis.